Beloved, this evening we turn to the psalm that you just sang, Psalm 38, and we're focusing on verse 9. Let me read that verse for us, Psalm 38, verse 9. Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. Let me read that once more. Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. May the Lord bless the reading, the preaching, the hearing, the believing, and the living out of his holy word. Well, the thing we're focusing on tonight is groaning, and I, I'm almost tempted to groan by illustration, but I don't want to do it in a way that would do it wrong and end up being comical. But I want you to think about when you've groaned in life, when you've witnessed others groaning in life, different occasions, physically, emotionally, and uh, what that is like. But I'd like to share with you from the Oxford Languages Online one definition of a groan. Uh, it says this, a groan is a low, creaking, or moaning sound made by an object or device under pressure. For example, we say the protesting groan of timbers. Children, if you know what timbers are, they're trees or wood. Sometimes when we're in bed at night, especially in an odor house, we hear, what's that? Because we'll hear the groaning of the wood, the beams, you know, we'll hear, we'll hear things settling. Uh, it's a creaking, it's a grinding, it's a grating. When I was in New York one early morning, one quiet early morning in a, in a park where I grew up overlooking Lake Ontario, I, I thought it was interesting. There were a few trees. They weren't huge trees. They, they weren't saplings, but they were fairly large. Um, but I heard it kind of... In, in the silence, it was standing out because of the wind that was pushing it back and forth. And it was, it was groaning. It was almost like it had a voice, a groaning. And I think that's a helpful way to begin thinking about this tonight in terms of how we can groan to the Lord and what it is. Uh, the Oxford Languages also gives this definition less uh, figuratively, more literally. A groan is when we make a deep, inarticulate sound in response to pain or despair. And I want to encourage you, beloved, that the Bible talks about that. This psalm talks about that in the way that you can pray to the Lord. And as we'll see, sometimes it's all you got and it's enough. We, we similarly groan often under pressure in pain, physical and mental. In my greatest time of grief and loss, my groaning at times literally laid me on the floor and it was involuntary. I could not control it. And it was loud, guttural groaning, sometimes screaming, and I couldn't control it until it just stopped when it was done. I wasn't possessed by a demon. I was just possessed by groaning. And it comforts me to think about that and think about the fact that God must have made sense of that. Romans 8 verse 23 says, even we ourselves groan 
within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. And when it says we ourselves, it's, it's talking about earlier in the verse and before the creation. All creation groans for the resurrection because it's all under the effects of sin. The trees groan, if you will. Everything's groaning for the resurrection. But we ourselves groan within ourselves, Paul says. You see, groaning is a manner of Christian prayer. Have you ever thought about that? I'm not suggesting we do that in corporate worship together. Uh, because all things are to be done decently in order and there's a place for that. But I think it might be something that we would do with one another sometimes, supporting one another. I recall a young man in college and I, I literally held him and held his face. He begged me not to leave. He was going through some deep grief and he groaned. I think there's a place for that for us supporting one another in private moments of support. It is a manner of Christian prayer, even when there are no words beyond the growls. And I want to point something out about the growls. Look at verse 8 that came just before our verse. I am feeble and sore broken. I have uh, roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Notice that. Roared. Roared. Now, I think we need to stop for a moment before we continue and think about what have we seen in all those verses as we sang up to verse 9. Where is this roaring and groaning come from? We need to recognize that the psalm up to that point is primarily dealing with sin. And God being the one that's poking and prodding with the pain, the consequences of that sin to groan that we would cry out. But that is to encourage you, beloved. Sometimes I think the times where we don't pray the most before the Lord is because of sins that bother our conscience. And we feel like, what do I say? What do I say? Well, groaning, getting to the point where you're actually grieving over your sin. Our catechism teaches that's part of repentance, a deep hatred and grief over our sin. Well, wouldn't that look like a roar and groaning because of what we've done and how we've offended our Lord and how we've grieved and quenched the Holy Spirit. It's appropriate. There's a roaring and a groaning that's an appropriate prayer for Christians, especially, especially when we need to repent of our sins. We shouldn't feel like we have to run away from God. We just, we just groan before him. What else can I say? Romans 8 verse 26, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered, that is, can't be spoken, there's no words to put to them. Now, now look at this, beloved, such groaning is Holy Spirit voiced. I want to talk about some of the crazy things that are out there over the years about certain weird stuff with the Holy Spirit. We're talking about just real grief and pain and despair where you don't have the words because you're hurting so bad. You're so grieving over your sin or grieving over the effects of sin on you from others. It's just the effects of sin in this world and the problems and pain and you're groaning. And the Holy Spirit, it says, speaks for you. With, it groans for you in ways that God understands. But see, that's the beautiful thing. It's a groaning of the Holy Spirit in you. So don't try to quench that of the Holy Spirit. You know, in our Western culture, we think we have to be stoic and statues and nothing ever phases us. Whatever that is, it's not biblical. 
It's not the ancient Near East and the, and the Asian kind of more of expressive thing. I mean, sometimes the Holy Spirit would groan through you, don't quench him. Don't grieve him when he wants to help you grieve. And it communicates to God who cares and responds. Romans 8.27 And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit's the one that groans. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Wow. So Psalm 38 verse 9, our text this evening, takes such comfort. There is nothing so heavy and deep in our hearts for which God does not see, hear, understand, and care. And will care for you. I give that to you as the main idea of our, of our verse. Even when it's our own sin and him prodding us to groan, to get to him and be uh, in repentance of it. There is nothing so heavy and deep in our hearts for which God does not see, hear, understand, and care. And sometimes we, we feel like we can't talk to anyone. Nobody can understand. Nobody knows what I've been through. Well, maybe that's true. But we want to be careful we don't get this you know, mentality like, therefore, I can go be, do whatever I want, be depressed, how I deal with it. And we've got to recognize the only person who can really say that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what he went through. He says, I, my soul aches so much even unto death in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's the only one that cried out on the cross, Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he didn't have that many words. He was mostly silent in his beating and in his crucifixion. But we need to recognize Jesus does understand. He knows anything we've gone through. He's the high priest who can relate to us. Hebrews points that out in great detail. There's nothing Nothing that Jesus doesn't understand. There's nothing that he can't understand and bear with for you and bear with with you. And if you just can groan and that's all you can do, Jesus says, come to me, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The psalm says, there's nothing that's not in front of you. All things are in front of you. I'm giving you kind of the, the wooden translation of the Hebrew. Uh, there's nothing from you that's not hidden. So that concept is twice. Everything you see, there's nothing you don't see, including the deep recesses of my heart. I may try to hide and block out others. I can't block out you. Why don't I start letting you ministering to me? And that may be with you prodding me to groan, to get to the point where we're, there's words and there's healing. Notice, nothing is hidden from you. All things are in front of you. And he talks about two things. First of all, his desires. The Hebrew could translate it longings. My deepest longings are not hidden from you. So why would I try to keep it from you and not groan out to you about it? But then also, his groaning is not hidden. All his groaning is seen in his heart, as our Psalter translates it. Notice the Hebrew is, it could be sighing. You find yourself doing that sometimes? <sighs> That's not hidden from the Lord, even when sometimes it's only inside. When you keep it in, you hold it in, and try to keep that stiff upper lip, and nobody knows. But you know, and God knows. Nothing's hidden. The longings of your heart, He knows. The sighings and the groanings of your heart, He knows. 
It may be a loud growl or a faint, feeble breath, such as near death. Yet Psalm 116.15 says this, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You know, that's a time where only the Lord usually can at one point hear our hearts longing. Uh, there is that death growl at the end often, those sighs of the last air. But before then, even in the depths of our heart, that recognizing this is it. And the Lord is there where no one else can be. And that's enough of a prayer to him when that's all we have to give him. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Thus, Psalm 116 verses 1 and 2. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Don't you love that, that, that image of he's inclined his ear unto me? You know, I, I do that a lot because I think I have a certain kind of hearing loss in uh, rooms with a lot of background noise. And I'll often do this when someone's speaking to me. I'll do, say, say again, say again. I'll bring my ear in. And he's inclining his ear. There's that image of God Maybe we have that quiet, we can barely, barely sigh, that quiet groaning in a heart that doesn't even escape our mouth. But the image is God's down there listening closely, like perhaps a doctor with a stethoscope listening deep into the heart where we can't hear. God is like that. He hears, he knows, he listens, he cares, and he wants to operate on you and help you and heal you. All while you are living and often suffering pain, as you await eternal bliss, be encouraged that Jesus says to pray because your heavenly father knows what you need before you even ask. You are told to pray, but ask and pray. He already knows what you need before you ask. Matthew chapter 6 verses 8 and, 30, 8 and 32 in the Sermon on the Mount. If that's true, God already knows before you even ask. Certainly he is sensitive to and understands your bare groans and growls within you as all you can squeak out sometimes. Or maybe you can't, but it's deep in and he hears that too. Indeed, beloved, deep calleth unto deep. At the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Psalm 42, verse 7. Sometimes groaning is the best you have to cast your cares upon God. And you can still trust he cares for you and he will respond in caring for you. Donald K. McKim in his book, Everyday Prayer with the Puritan, says, There are things deep within us, unformed in our minds, which are longings or sighs, perhaps too deep for words. In the jumble of all these, God hears. And then he says, Richard Sibbs, the Puritan Richard Sibbs wrote, and I quote him quoting Richard Sibbs, my groanings are not hid from thee, quoting our text. And then he goes on to say, God 
can pick sense out of a confused prayer. I find that really helpful. How many times do you struggle to feel like you can move forward in prayer because you don't even know what to say? You feel confused. You don't know what to say. You're so overwhelmed. Go ahead and groan. God can pick sense out of a confused prayer. McKinn goes on to say this. Trust God to hear and make sense of all your prayers. Let us review a scripture from a, a previous sermon, Psalm 6, verses 6 to 9, which reads, I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Don't let people worry you about sophisticated and long kinds of prayers or the wrong kinds of groaning. Jesus said, go pray privately. Don't worry about lots of fancy words. Also the Sermon on the Mount. If you're doing that, you're doing it for men and you'll have your reward. That'll be it. But God who sees in secret, play, pray in secret and, and groan, cry, whatever you need to do. Don't worry about having lots of words and the Father will hear you and you'll get your reward. The earlier sermon on Psalm 6 verse 8 The title of the sermon was, Your Tears Have a Voice That God Hears. And the point of the text I gave you was this. The motivation not to be overcome by evil is that God hears our weeping in the midst of it and will help. And then I said, and I think it's worth repeating, crying helps. Sometimes we say, oh, it's good I had a good cry, <laughs> especially before the Lord. Then he quotes Thomas Hall, or excuse me, let, let me give this quote to you from Thomas Hall. Uh, Prayer is a work of the heart and not of the tongue. Words are but the outside of prayer. Tis the heart's desire which God's eyes, God, excuse me, eyes and respects. And if thy affections fly aloft, though thy words do but creep, yet thy faith shall get what thy words cannot. Yea, if thou canst not speak, yet if thou canst weep, God will hear the voice of thy weeping. Tears have a voice as well as words. And that is shared with you in the devotion. Again, uh, the prayers of the Puritans, Donald K. McKim. And the devotion, the name of his devotion for that day with this text you're having, uh, excuse me, that text of Psalm 6 at the time was this. God hears your tears. God hears your tears. I mean, isn't that the case when we cry? I don't know about you, but I'm a heavy crier. I'm a heavy laugher. Sometimes people get nervous that know me. Well, uh oh, here it comes. If I really start laughing, uh, I have a hard time stopping. <laughs> and tears come down all the same. I'm a crier like that, too. I don't apologize for it. Uh, 
That's just the way I am. I, I, I'm a heavy crier. And, it, you know, when you cry heavy, do you notice you can't really say anything? You can't speak words. And what do we do when we cry? We apologize. Don't apologize. You're praying. You're communicating. But sometimes you don't even have tears. You might be all dried up. Although we're encouraged to know the Lord keeps our tears in a bottle. Another psalm says, right? But sometimes we don't even have tears. You only have guttural pain in your vocal cords, in your throat. Or maybe only in your gut that only you hear. But God does also, and he will meet you there. And as we see in the psalm, he's using, usually the one getting you to that place to meet you there. Perhaps Abraham was groaning in Genesis 15. Remember, he just had this major victory in chapter 14, rescued his, his nephew Lot and brought it back. Wouldn't take the riches so that nobody would say that they gave it to him, only God would. He's, he's sitting there in Genesis 15 and God comes to him and comforts him and says, Don't fear, Abraham. I am your exceeding great reward. But we don't have any words recorded by Abraham. To know why God is doing that. Why is God saying that to Abraham? God knows his heart. God reads his heart. God's hearing his groan and he's responding to it. <laughs> Hannah's prayer in the temple. She wants child so badly. She's in the temple alone weeping. But it's the kind of weeping such like groaning that when Eli sees it, the priest, he thought she was drunk. Well... I mean, we've seen, at least in movies, if not other places, people who are pretty drunk, they don't speak too well. Now he mistakes her for being drunk. No, 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 I'm pouring out my heart before the Lord. It would seem her lips were moving, but there wasn't anything he was really hearing that was utterable, that was discernible. But God heard it and understood. These groanings of Hannah, he understood, and he gave her Samuel. And then he gave her many other children. The Lord Jesus... Your Lord Jesus surely groaned in Gethsemane, facing his walk to the cross. He said, I, I suffer even to the point of death. And certainly, with the nails hammered into his hands and feet for you, before he bled, suspended upon the cross with few words, but surely there were guttural groans. I mean, just the nails in the hands and feet alone. You think he didn't groan through his mouth, but also his heart as he took on your and my sin and was forsaken by God so we don't have to be? As he took on eternal hell for us in his humanity, do you think he didn't groan the groans that would have been yours and mine forever in hell, but there would be unanswered? After all, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of his few words and last words on the cross, the psalm goes on to say, your people, they always cry to you. You always answer them, but you don't answer me. 
so that we can groan and be heard. You know, it's interesting, verse 28 of Romans 8, you know, we looked at that earlier. We have these groanings and things, but uh, we thought about Romans 8, 28 this morning. Uh, related to, uh, you know, God works all things for the good of we who love him who are called according to his purpose. We, we recognize that many times those things are evil and painful and a lot of pressure, but they're good because of what they work out. But they are evil. It's interesting that it's recognizing God works all things for good. That verse comes right after the verses we looked at tonight in Romans in chapter 8. Groaning, groaning, groaning. But we know all these horrible things are God working them for good for us. But naturally, often all we can do is groan before the Lord as we endure them, humbling ourselves under his mighty hand that he would lift us up in due time. It's interesting to look at that context. We find ourselves groaning to him as we trust in him to get us through while we hang upon him for dear life. Because though we are confused about it all to the point where we can't communicate otherwise, God is never confused and always knows what to do. So beloved, so Christians, if you need to, when you need to, groan. Let such be your prayers, because God can make sense of your groans. And that is the message for you this evening from our text, Psalm 38, verse 9. But let me read verse 8 before it again. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. And think of where we gave some time in Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit is groaning for you when you don't know what to say and you have no words. And the Father hears it, understands it, and uses it for you. In that moment, but also to move you forward. God can make sense of your groans. Let us pray. Lord, as we come before you, we will have decency and order, and yet we have a time of quiet where we would pause and each one of us would allow our hearts to groan before you with what is deep and heavy there, trusting that you hear and will meet with us even now. Hear the groan of our hearts and the cry of our mouths and heal us, O Lord. Reassuring us that you hear, you have heard, and you will heal, and you will lift us up on eagles' wings, and you will not cause the bended shaft to break 
nor the smoking flax to be blown out. Lord, thank you for being you and making us yours and giving your ear to our cries, even deep within the recesses of our heart where we often feel utterly alone. You are there for you were in our mother's womb when we were just a zygote forming every part of us. And so, Lord, help us not to be afraid to pray and think that we're not praying when we haven't words. We have your word and we have your spirit groaning for us. Lord, let us do more of that and trust you'll bring us to better places of prayer over time. We do close praying as you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 